Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project Podcast. I'm John Gorman, your co-host for the day. We have a very special guest host, Lisa Franz. Lisa, what's going on? How are you? I am so excited to be here. Yeah, this this is going to be fun. This is something we're going to get into a little bit about you real quick before we kick off the episode. This is something that I've been thinking about for a while. You just had me on your podcast about a week ago, and I know listen in the podcast world, we just pull the curtain back. Like I, you're going to be on this podcast before I'm on yours. Cause yours is going to relate release a little bit later, but I had such a good time on your podcast. I thought, you know what, why don't you come guest host this one? Because you've got so many good topics that you talk about on your show or that you want to talk about. I figured that this would be front uh, fun. So if you would tell us a little bit more about you and your podcast real quick, so we can let our listeners know who you are. For sure. So yeah, my name is Lisa. I'm a nutrition coach. I'm the owner and operator of Nutrition Coaching and Life. That's the name of the company. Um, And the podcast that we were just speaking about is just the Nutrition and Life podcast. So I'm a nutrition coach who mostly works with general population as opposed to um, performance athletes or as opposed to competitors. But nonetheless, John and I, we really noticed that we had a lot of um, overlapping topics and things that we obviously agree on. So I'm really excited to be here today also. Um, and I personally, I come from a CrossFit background, a little bit more of a competitive nature within me, but I am, am currently not competing for the last few years, really just been strength training and I'm currently doing a gaining phase myself, which is the first time that I'm I'm doing that. <laughs> so I've been experimenting with that for the last seven months. And it's really interesting. I'm actually really loving it. Surprised how much I am because I was like most females, like most women, and quite afraid of gaining fat, of course, along the process. And even just seeing the scale move up is, uh, you know, mentally a little bit challenging, but it's been fun. Yeah, it's 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 always a slippery slope, right? Because to put on muscle, most of us mortals, we're going to put on a little bit of fat. So it's such hard work, you know, especially you're 33. We were talking before the show. I'm 46. The longer you're doing this, because you've been doing this for a long time, you're like almost a decade in now. It just becomes harder to put on that muscle, but you can still put fat on it's not, you know, putting fat on is not hard. So it's, it's one of those things I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. Now you are a world traveler. You're someone that you're traveling all over the world right now. You're in Colombia, right. Um, and you're getting ready to move around, but talk about that here real quick. Cause I think that's awesome. Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm originally from Germany. Um, I've always kind of had within me that drive of, um, I don't necessarily want to live in Germany. I have been brought up uh, in in the sense of traveling a lot. We've always gone on vacations to various destinations. And so once I finished high school, I was like, well, I'm going to go on a trip around the world. And that sort of took me to New Zealand, among many of the other stops. And that's where I more or less got stuck for the next um, decade nearly. And then in 2019, I decided that that was long enough in New Zealand, um, since it is a very isolated spot also. And since then, so for the last four years, I have been a digital nomad, as they call us, and just been staying in in spots for three to six months, or sometimes even longer, been here in Colombia now for almost eight months, and really loving it because it opens my eyes um, as we were saying also just to different cultures, different kind of people, different ways of life, and just generally another form to keep growing and developing yourself. And, you know, that's one of the things too, that 
being a diet coach or nutritionist or someone in the fitness industry that can work mobile, that can, this day and age, we're so fortunate to be able to record podcasts like on two completely different areas, right? Even though you're in the central time zone, which hurts my brain to think about, but I don't know anything about where you are, but you're like, yeah, I'm central time zone too. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Um, but we're in such a cool day and age to where we can do the things we do, reach out and work with our clients from anywhere in the world, right? There's just a time zone you know, difference. But other than that, very cool. Um, you are someone who's very highly educated. You've got more certifications and courses under your belt, I think, than anyone that I've met. Um, you've got a ton of those, which is which is great. So you have that hunger to learn. And I love that. And this topic for today is a really, really good one. It's something that I have not broken down in a podcast the way that we're about to break down and get into. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what our topic is today? So today we want to talk about what sort of dieting approach really is best for you and your personality and body type. And I think this is a beautiful example of somewhere where um, science meets coach experience meets individual and i mean that doesn't have to be done or thought through with a coach but I, ideally of course we have some external guidance um but yeah because i mean uh, in theory or theory only works to an extent and if it doesn't work for the individual as we always say with you know adherence etc there's just no point of doing the best hypothetical approach um, and it might be better to go with uh, an approach that is, according to science, not quite as effective, but works for that person. Yeah, there's there's so many different ways to diet out there. And I've been experimenting basically my whole career. You know, before we would see things come up in the research, I was that guy trying things like back in 2010 to 2012. Um I became known as the guy who did these massive refeeds. There were other people before me doing massive refeeds. A guy named Skip Hill did it before any of us. Um, and I learned from him. I just put my own spin on it and changed the things I didn't like. But, you know, I would have clients that were eating, you know, before they got on stage, 2000 carbs, 2000, not calories, 2000 carbs on a Tuesday before they stepped on, on stage on Saturday. Um, and they were winning. Now, all my other clients that weren't so insulin sensitivity blessed, right? They they wouldn't be able to do that. They would take two steps forward, two steps back. But I tried all these things to find out what did work and what didn't work. And I found out most of the time what didn't work as well, which led to some research with Dr. Bill Campbell at University of South Florida. He got a hold of me and we did, did the first refeed diet study and I got to write the diets for that. So it shed a lot of light on it, but I've always been that one to experiment before the research is out there because I like to see what kind of data I can get in the trenches, whether it's research usually five to 10 years behind anyway. So a topic like this coming, bringing this full circle and back around a topic like this is interesting because there are so many things that we see that are an art form, whether you're dieting yourself or you have a coach that's helping you whatever it is, there's an art form and there's so many different ways to diet. So we're going to talk about aggressive dieting. We're going to talk about slower, more methodical, what fits your personality. That's a key thing that you brought up, Lisa. I mean, that's what fits your personality or what you like better. There's so many different ways, but a lot of the times people want to start with a diet approach. that's probably not going to be best for them or it's not done the right situation. Anyway, we're going to get into all that. So I'm going to let you just take the reins and, and go with it. 
Yeah, I think you already touched on something really cool, which was um, it worked for some people and it didn't work for others. So again, here that just displays the differences between not just different. Um, I mean, that was like in regards to refeeds, but displays that not every uh, methodical approach is the right one for everybody. And I think we should definitely preface this by saying that, yes, of course, everyone is motivated by fast progress. So um, with um, our coaching, for instance, we have an intake form when people first come on board. And one of the questions is, uh, are you someone who likes to have a slow methodical approach or are you motivated by fast progress? And almost everybody, <laughs> of course, takes motivated by fast progress. And I mean, studies show that really clearly also, that if you quickly have a feedback that what you are doing is having an effect, it automatically increases your adherence. So nothing worse than putting in work, 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 or dieting and, and suffering that way. And two, three weeks later, you're still in the same spot and you feel like your work is going to, to nowhere. That is uh, one of the reasons in my experience why recomposition and maintenance for a lot of um, general population is so tricky in their mind because um, nothing seemingly happens for such a long amount of time. Like the scale stays the same. You don't really notice anything. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm doing all these things, but I'm not really seeing the fat loss. I'm not really seeing the muscle gain. So I th actually think that recomp and maintenance is one of the hardest things mentally for people to go through. Um, but I mean, aside from that, I think what people should always ask themselves first, number one, what is my why for my dieting phase in general? Am I doing this, of course, as a life for, for um, to be healthier? Am I doing this because I'm a competitor? Am I simply doing this because I want to look better in my bathing suit? Um, those are all different um, reasons that can also give us a clear picture on the timeline. Because, of course, if you have 60 pounds to lose, you're going to have a very different looking timeline to if you only have... 10 pounds to lose as a small female, for instance. Um, and that 60 pound person, I would probably generally try to guide more towards the long, the slow sustainable approach, because even though you might want to start aggressively or there, they might have the drive to go aggressively just because of the pure duration that we're looking at most likely um, and the habits that we might want to address along the way it's probably going to pan out um, in terms of sustainability and adherence to do it a little bit more um, slowly. But yeah, I think that 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 should be on the forefront of our mind. Yes, okay, hypothetically, we're all motivated by fast progress, but still, is it the best one for me? Let's look at timeline first, and also not just the timeline, but also timing, because the when is incredibly important, as we all know. Do I want to start a really steep um cut at the beginning of december probably not if you're celebrating christmas <laughs> or is do i have a lot of life stress coming up do i have a time uh, a, this work project big work project etc or maybe my partner is pregnant and we're expecting a child whatever is this the best time right now for me to be losing weight and losing weight aggressively also. So another couple of questions before you even start anything, that would be my recommend recommendation. Yeah. So I 
I pretty much agree with everything that you just said. I have changed my mind on a couple different things. We'll we'll get into that when it comes to aggressive fat loss in certain places for people that are heavy. Because typically what I like to do these days, what I do is I look at someone's body fat and I let that dictate. Okay. So if someone, I've worked with a lot of people that are more than a hundred pounds overweight, for example, right? We're not going to lose all that in one. I mean, somebody could lose all that in one shot, but most of the time, like things are going to happen. They're going to stall. They need a mental break. Like they just need a mental break. Life comes up. Um, they've got things, a uh, vacation planned or whatever, the baby coming, right? We don't need to be trying to push through those kinds of things. But when someone's really heavy, typically what I would do is diet them in phases, which is a whole podcast in and of itself. You diet down, maybe you lose 60 pounds, you reverse diet and you start adding calories back in, you prime the metabolism, you get it back up. And then, you know, maybe four or five months later, boom, probably like three, four months later, you drop the calories again, you try and push, try push another 30, 40 off. And a lot of the times during the reverse dieting phase, you can actually get people to drop body fat as you raise their calories slowly, if they're being super adherent. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing. They have to track at a nine out of 10 scale, like 90, I'd rather see it 10 out of 10, but most of us mortals, like we're, we're going to nine out of 10 is pretty good. That's typically the approach. That's one of the things I look for. How heavy is someone and do we need to do it in phases? Now, if you take someone like me, for example, I'm 214 pounds right now. If I wanted to diet down to 205, because I have this big business speaking event coming up in 12 weeks, I'm probably not going to try and diet 10 pounds off in 10 weeks. I'm not going to do the traditional slow one pound a week, eat as much as I can, do as little cardio as I can. There are people I diet that way. If someone's coming to me to get on stage, that's the way I'm going to diet them to hold on to as much muscle. Now for me, my body fat's probably like 15%, somewhere in that range, right? Like I'm not super lean, but I'm not fat either. There's a rapid fat loss approach that I've been doing with my clients and we'll get into the details if you want to know about that, but it's very, very aggressive because I've got enough body fat to protect myself against muscle loss. So that's the other thing I look at is, okay, does someone just need to lose 10 pounds real quick or 15 real quick? And we can, can we get that off in four to five weeks versus a long, slow stretch? So there's that. So there's a couple different approaches there. And then finally, for the competitors out there, if you're trying to diet down to a very lean body fat percentage, you have to take a slower approach, especially towards the end, because when your body fat levels get really low, that's when your hormone levels start to really tank, namely testosterone. And when you look at DEXA scans done on natural bodybuilders, for example, muscle loss doesn't really happen too much in the beginning or the or the middle part of the prep. It happens a lot towards the end when you get super lean and your, and your, your hormones crash, right? That's where you'll see if somebody loses like eight pounds of muscle in a prep, you're going to see a lot of that come off the final month. Like, mm -hmm. so everything leading up to that, you, you need to take a slow approach towards the end. So that comes down to how lean is someone. This, the thing I started this whole tirade on right now that I'm just talking around is how lean is someone and do they need to do it stages? So there's a lot of meat on the bone there. There's a lot of different topics. Yeah, really, really good points. Um, I specifically really like this the cyclic or cyclic approach to the dieting with someone heavier. And like you touched on, has 
mentally um, great effects in the sense of, uh, you know, after half a year or whatever, you might also be going on a vacation. So it's nice to have a higher calorie budget for that. Or, and um, like you said, metabolic, met metabolically, hormonally, these breaks are great. Um, and of course, uh, as you touched on, if someone has a lot of body fat to lose, then during that time, they can still be losing weight as well um but yeah nonetheless with the aggressive approach um, i mean again if we just look at the science like uh, i believe there was a 2018 meta-analysis on um, maintenance of lost weight and long-term management of obesity so they looked at 29 long-term studies and it was like very clear that the very aggressive approaches um, generally were more likely to yo-yo back as well. Um, mm -hmm. it, they didn't necessarily dissect whether there were like diet breaks or refeeds and so on, um, which I think always sound good to people if they're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go aggressive, but I'm going to um, have my regular refeeds, etc. Um, or if people are worried about a certain duration, they often consider um, diet breaks as we were just talking about. But I do think that in um, the cases like competitors or where people don't have quite as much to lose, refeeds always sound great in theory, but we also have to consider that they extend the duration of those studies. So uh, again, this could be another point to think about. Um, would I rather get in and out quickly and just get it done with? Or am I happy that this is not quite as painful and I it might take twice as long? Um, you're, you're probably also familiar with the, the Metador uh, type study or, where, or Metador type dieting, where they basically, I think it was a protocol where you're like in a deficit or a severe deficit for four weeks and then at maintenance for two or or maybe even two, two. I don't remember specifically. Um, I think Metador that stood for um, minimizing adaptive thermogenesis and deactivating obesity rebound. So basically seeing if that had an, an effect of like minimizing um, fat muscle loss, essentially. Yeah. Um, like from, I don't know what your experience is with, with your clients, um, but I have seen really mixed results with that. Like some people, for some people, I think it works really well, um, especially if you do have to drop calories quite low in order to get weight moving at all. But with other people, um, I have found that the switch from back and forth into a dieting mindset and and not is quite tricky. And like you said, in those maintenance phases, especially initially, we really still need to be super adherent. Like if you're a person that's not nine out of 10 adherent, then I would not recommend that kind of approach. Yeah. Let's, so let's go ahead and drill down on this. Let's talk about the rapid fat loss, the approach that I've been using, and then anything that you've got on that. So um, I'm about to make a post. I've got about 30 people that have either done it or they're finishing up now. And every single one of them have dropped a good amount of weight and they've loved the process. I haven't had one person say, I hate this process. So essentially what I like to do is take eight total weeks of, this is what I've done with all my clients and myself. We took eight total weeks and I broke that up into three weeks of dieting, low calorie. I've kept protein high. First of all, that's the whole key. Protein was kept high. I lowered carbs and fats because those are the fuel sources and I had them do maybe 10, 15 minutes of steady state cardio a day. That's it. Just, just on the days they train, right? So like five, six days a week on average. So not a lot of cardio, 
low calories. So a female might be eating 1,250 calories, for example, 1,300. A guy might be eating 1,900, 2,000. It depends on where they were in the off season. I don't just put everyone on the same calories, but it was a pretty big cut in calories. Sometimes a thousand calorie cut for some people, right? And the goal was to, and these were not lean people, but they weren't, all of them weren't super heavy either. They were either as lean as me. They weren't any leaner than me, which is the key. And a lot of people dropped weight. So three weeks hard dieting, right? Three weeks hard. And then we would go into a diet break. Now what that diet break consisted of was not Hey, just go out and eat and have fun. And you've got a vacation. I did have people that did vacations and I made their diet break that week, but I made them track because they're, they're, they're paying for this plan. I can't let them just go eat and go ape shit. Right. So what I essentially did was during the diet break. So after three weeks of pushing, they were ready for it. So they saw a big drop in weight the first week, pretty good drop in weight. The second week, the third week, it was starting to slow down. Right. So what does that tell me? they didn't have any high carb days. It was just one, one day that they had, right? The calories are essentially the same. The next thing you know, is they're starting to stall out and that's time for a diet break. They're starting to get tired. So it was three weeks mentally. That's pretty hard to make it three weeks without a cheat meal or anything like that. Now the diet break came and I had, and I'll just give you an example. Everyone is a little different. Maybe I had someone add 50 carbs to their diet, right? When you say that, people shit themselves. They're like, oh my God, add 50 carbs. I'm like, it's only 200 calories. You're already low calorie, right? So if you're a female eating 1,300, now you're just moving to 1,500, which is honestly, it's still a deficit for a lot of people. And I dropped their cardio the same time. So if they were doing say 15 minutes a day, they dropped that. So it's not adding calories, but it's less calories your body has to burn. So Mm -hmm. you're essentially getting... I don't know, you probably burned 60, 100 calories, whatever. So now you're probably getting a little bit extra, but cortisol drops. So now your thyroid can start to speed back up. Your hormones, you feel better. Your hormones are starting to get back to normal. Like you're not going to crush your hormones in three weeks, but it, it's things start to go back the other direction. And they got to eat 50 extra carbs every single day for a whole week. And then that was week four. Now on week five, boom, we dropped the calories back down. We add the cardio back in. They push for another three weeks, and then they have one more final diet break to end it. And then after that, I put people back on what I feel is their maintenance calories. Because if you were a guy eating 3,500 calories in the off season, you don't want to just go right back to that. You pr- But you also don't want to be down there low either. So I might put a guy back on 3,000, not 3,500. Say, hey, l- l- give this a couple few weeks. If you're not gaining, then go back to 35, but you can transition out faster because you haven't been dieting that long. Sure. It's been Mm -hmm. eight weeks, but only six weeks have been in a hard deficit, right? So there was some kind of a diet break uh, and that's worked really well. I've got so many people that dropped between 20 and 30 pounds in eight weeks. It's crazy. And, and that's been the crux of it. So I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. No, that's really cool. I like that approach. I also like what you said about um, the faster going back up to maintenance, because I do think that with a very slow reverse diet, that's where a lot of people not just struggle, but almost fail. (laughs) So 
you get to that goal and mentally you're like ticked off and you're like, yes, I reached my target. And then you just want to relax and let go. And you don't want to do a slow reverse diet for the next eight to 10 weeks still <laughs> just to make sure you're maintaining that weight. And um, yeah, again, like especially when you slack off at that point in time, then you might gain weight back and um of course get discouraged and thinking that that's mostly just come down to the higher calories which is not the case but it is uh, you know just your approach to it so i like that it's not as slow of a process and um people of course tend to do really well if they have a specific timeline which you're giving them normally the struggle with that is that we often encounter like, oh, six week weight loss challenge and you will lose 60 pounds. Like they're incredibly ridiculously um, unrealistic and then also just not done in a strategic thought through manner. But your timeline is still very um, obviously thought through in the sense of hormones, cortisol and everything else. And I think um, still, even though that sounds like 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 a, um, you know, not a general approach because you said you obviously individualize a lot but it it does help people schedule their life around it plan their life around it if they know okay in four weeks i have this diet break coming out up um maybe that's when i'll plan my date night with my husband and maybe and it gives them something to look forward to because yeah i do think we always have to consider people's lives as well as much as we like to have clients that feel like robots and just execute that's not the reality of it um but yeah i guess that also brings me back to a little bit um of the personality type and what works for whom mm -hmm. so if people think about themselves honestly and think about what am i like in life aside from dieting again i said everyone's motivated by fast progress normally but still what am i like in life otherwise because um are you someone who gets easily overwhelmed and likes to really be uh, taken by the hand and really understand step by step and do things slowly and would rather have the same calories uh seven days a week or are you someone who gets super excited about refeed days and likes to have or doesn't mind having lower calories here and there and likes to have extremes and just like swings back and forth i think that's a really good indication for what could work for you also because like just personally speaking i'm someone i like to have consistent calories i like to know also what's coming up but i like i like that sense of control i'd rather drop only 200 calories and then go for 20 weeks then dropping 500 calories and go in for 10 weeks that's just me personally I know that that works for me and that's the beauty of if you get to work with someone with a client or a coach um for longer term and possibly through multiple cycles of um or the stitches of um weight loss because you get to know not just their personality, but also how their body responds to certain things. Yeah. yeah. You've you brought something up that this is the crucial part. So for me personally, and this is what I look for in all my clients, whenever I talk to them, the longer I diet, like if I were to barely drop my calories and try and lose like a pound a week, right? A pound, a half a week or whatever, and diet for 20 weeks, for example, or honestly, 12 is a fucking long time for me. Like it's the problem with that is I can do it, but it's the aftermath of so long of a, of a restriction that I find myself eating my kids' frozen waffles at 
two o'clock in the morning when I'm hungry at the end of the day, because I haven't been able to feel full for a long time or mentally I've just been restricted. So, you know, with the mental restriction as well. I, I I have done a couple of um, neurotyping certifications. I don't know if um, neurotyping uh, rings um, a bell with you or any of the listeners Mm -hmm. here, but essentially it's just a way of categorizing people into five different slots of what sort of neurotransmitter is most dominant within you. So we have a type one A and B. Um, Those are the type of people, those are generally like people like power lifters, um, might be your might be a little bit of like your football players as well. Like really, you have a high power output uh, in a, a short instance, um, and then they're really good at relaxing. Also, they're the type of people that can equally take naps in the afternoon, <laughs> etc. But oftentimes, they're also very pleasure driven when it comes to food. They need to enjoy their food, mm-hmm. um, where type. 2A and 2B, uh, type 2A is kind of more like your CrossFitter. They still need a lot of variety. Um, they do get bored reasonably easily. Whereas then you have type 3, that would be your classical bodybuilder. They love repetition. They love that mind-muscle connection, just feeling slowly grinding through through the different reps. And they like the sense of control and they don't mind eating the same crap every single day. <laughs> <laughs> so like they for them it's just it's just fuel for the most part, right? And and of course it doesn't have to be this neurotyping uh style evaluation of yourself or of someone else. But I think just knowing for yourself, like, what kind of person am I is so helpful and kind of um, communicating that with your coach also. So, for instance, if I know someone is more of like that type one person who is a very pleasure driven eater, um, they again, they they often respond very well to low carb, but they need to go extreme because they need to see the results quickly. Otherwise, they lose motivation. Now, if I was uh, to approach the type three in the same way, then oftentimes that would backfire because they'd feel like they're losing control. Like they they want to know what's coming up. Like, yeah, for me, this has just been quite helpful for myself even, but also for other people to kind of categorize them still in an individual way, but really feeling out what works for them. Yeah. And I think that's a, a good coach. So we have a lot of coaches that listen to the show. A good coach is going to be someone that's well-rounded enough that you can design a plan that's going to best fit your person, right? And we're talking about the dieting approach, right? But you wouldn't, if you're a coach, you wouldn't just give a CrossFitter a bodybuilding workout, right? Like if you're going to work with different athletes, you're going to specialize their training if that's what you do. If you're a diet coach, it's the same thing. You're going to have to find a plan that your clients can adhere to and stick to and enjoy. And this goes deep, like this goes really far. And it takes a long time of working with a lot of different people and going through it yourself. That's the number one thing a coach can do is do these things and go through them yourself, find out what you like. But that's why I experiment on myself all the time. Like I've been doing this over 15 years now, and I just put myself through this well thought out rapid fat loss plan. And I've done some wonky shit over the years to try stuff on myself 
to see. And then I've done it with my clients afterwards. And you come up with all these new different ways to be able to help your clients. And it makes you more well-rounded and you're going to be able to help more people. And it helps you stay relevant. Anyone can get macros, bro. Like we can all give fucking macros. Like you need to be able to come up with different ways to systematically help people according to them. So that that's the rapid fat loss approach in a nutshell. I have found that I'm not seeing as much of a rebound so far on people. Um, most of them hired me after these eight weeks to help them go on and continue to, to work on whatever their goals are. But I'm not seeing as much of a rebound because it's a short-term thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that. But like you said, it, it's not for everybody. I would not do this with a bodybuilder unless we are dead in the middle of the off season. And we just, I've got a couple people that are bodybuilders. One of my guys, uh, Grant, he's going to get down to about 20 pounds over stage weight. And we're doing this pretty aggressively with him. He's a coach. He'll probably do it with his clients. And it's something I would do in the off season for a mini cut. It's just restore insulin sensitivity and go fast, but I would never do this for a prep. I would never prep someone in this situation. Especially if you haven't worked with that athlete before, I think if again exactly. you get to each person better and better with each cut that you do, and, and no cut is um, ever the same. Just because something worked the first time that well doesn't mean it necessarily works the second time. I think we've probably um, both worked with people before that have dieted too much on their own in the past, or have just been really over restricting calories too much in the past, or gone from yo-yo diet to 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 the next whatever and i have found that with those people oftentimes i do have to drop calories quite low for their body to respond to anything so while of course like i come more from a health background rather than performance background so i always generally try to work with the minimal effective dose and you know keeping hormones healthy etc but once you know about someone they they even though they may have been now at maintenance for a little while or you got them to 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 even do a small building phase or so just because like your metabolism doesn't forget your it's kind of unfortunately it doesn't forget it's forgiving but it doesn't forget so if you were really quote-unquote bad to it and you have been restricting your body from food for way too long and demanding too much of it for for way too long and not necessarily to the point of hba excess dysfunction or anything like that but you know um then it might be that you just have to take an aggressive approach with your dieting otherwise the body is not going to respond with just a 100 calorie deficit or whatever yeah, it's it's one of those things where the longer people stay on a certain amount of calories, the more the body starts to adapt and those become your your normal calories. And I had this theory I've presented on this at multiple conferences. A lot of the times people will go really low calorie like through the week, 6 days a week, like low calorie to make room for these massive feedings on say Sunday, right? which is honestly, that's what I used to do with my clients back in 2010, 11, 12. So they could eat these massive, massive refeeds. And our thought back then was, well, you're really going to boost your metabolism. You're going to boost leptin. Like you're really going to help. It's going to give you a mental break. It's going to drop cortisol. And it did all of those things, but sometimes it was way too much, right? So you would, you would lose fat for six days and then you would just gain the fat back on if you ate too much on Sunday. Well, here's the theory that I had 
if you're going six days of very low calories, higher cardio to make room for this giant feeding, your metabolism is adapting for six days. You're only giving it one day to where you're eating at maintenance or above. And to me, that's, so imagine if you did that for five months, now you've got six out of seven days a week for five months to where your calories have been very low, cardio is super high. And you're only getting, you know, what's five months times four, 20 weeks of actually eating over. And a lot of times people were spinning their wheels, but I saw a lot of people that gained fat super easy because the calories were so low. So it was that metabolic adaptation. Now I have to say a theory because no one's going to research that. Like there's no way that that will ever be funded. No one will ever take the time. I wish they would because it would show us a lot about metabolic adaptation. And I know good people in the field I could talk to that the problem is getting something like that funded and having the people that are going to stick to the diet. Like that's the thing. You can't just grab college students and like put them through this shit. Like we need actual people like us to be able to do it. So it's, it's probably never going to happen, but in theory, you can think about how the body works and it makes sense. So that's, I, I don't know what got us on that, but go ahead. As you said, I think it used to be even more, much more common practice with those huge cheat days or whatever you want to call them, even if they were in a structured calorie way. They're um, fun. <laughs> they are fun. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I also think that um, some of the most recent research shows more that like one day of refeeding is actually not enough to offset that metabolic adaptation. I think they saw like a little bit with two, um, but oftentimes it's just a little bit of a longer diet. Like if we are dealing with metabolic adaptation, right? Of course, you're still going to get other positive benefits from it. I think the... The other danger with that kind of approach, and again, not saying that it doesn't work for some people, some people probably really thrive on that. But the other point being that I do think that long, the more often you do something like that, it probably promotes um, not a very good relationship with food. Exactly. And probably be better off uh, maybe do it like that doesn't mean you can't do refeeds at all. That's really not what I'm saying. I utilize refeeds with my clients all the time more for adherence purposes that we drop calories maybe five days of the week and then two days a bit higher so that they can eat out and all these things. Um, but just in general, it might be more of a deficit or like a difference between those two days of like 200 calories. So they might be sitting at 1500 for five days of the week and then 1700 for two other days. And I think that allows much more um, to, to also incorporate uh, some of those treat foods in the 1500 calorie days and smaller quantities, and then not to go quite as overboard on those other two days, because I think long-term, especially if you do that more often, um, yeah, that could become quote unquote dangerous, just in a food relationship perspective. Yeah. The, I, I, I want to go back to, you talked about, um, one day refeeding really isn't going to be enough to, it's not going to boost metabolism. Like people think it's going to boost it. A couple of days has, has shown to be very positive. And that's what we did at university of South Florida. They did back-to-back refeed days, um, which is something I never do with my clients. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, because we talked about in the study, should we spread them out? Should we do a refeed on Sunday and one on Wednesday, which is what I do with my clients. It's more of a carb cycling approach. They wanted to do back to back, which is very interesting. And it worked very well. I don't like to do back to back because 
I like to leave room to carb up. So if someone's going to do a high carb day, high calorie day, I want them to be depleted for a few days, carb up. So you don't have to store as you're not worried about storing fat. And on one day, you're probably not as long as it's pretty controlled. But now what happens if you carb up on Sunday, if you turn around carb up on Monday, your insulin sensitivity is not as good because you've already carbed up. So now you're carving up on top of a muscle that's sitting either pretty full, maybe it's completely full. You might start to spill into the fat cell. But there are other, there are all these other things though, like it drops cortisol really hard. It speeds up your thyroid. You're going to burn through a lot of carbs that are in the bloodstream that way. So it's a very interesting approach. Long story short, at USF that refeed study we did it worked really well, and it helped people hold on to muscle. It helped them adhere to the plan. They lost the same amount of fat. I'm trying to remember. And I was part of the study, and now I can't remember. I think there might have been even more fat loss for the people that did it. Um, versus the people that just dieted straight calories across the board. But the whole thing coming back to that is adherence though, Lisa, like you said, adherence is the thing. And if we do things that create an issue with food, it's not sure you might lose the weight that you want to lose or the fat you want to lose. You might do that. But if it's going to cause you to, to tailspin and spin out of control afterwards, you have to really look at that. And that's why me personally, I don't like to diet for long period. That's why I will never get on stage ever again. The mental aspect afterwards is not worth it to me. It's not because I'm not hardcore enough. I just, I, I don't want to have to fucking deal with that. And that's just, that's me, but you're right. That mental aspect, that's, that's huge. Yeah. I mean, most or not most, but let's say three quarters of the clients uh, that we work with, they probably, they, they come with an all or nothing sort of mindset mm-hmm. or with that of this is good food, this is bad food. So I want to do my very best to work against that because that kind of goes against my philosophy in the sense of um, enjoying life through food and not being sort of weighed down by the constant guilt and worry and thought about food. That is, that is what I want to work against. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. What else? Is there anything else that we're leaving off the table? Anything else we need to discuss on this? Um, I, I really mostly wanted to emphasize that I want people to think about their, their why first, uh, also the, the when of the dieting, like, is this really the optimal time right now? And then going off of the timeline off of that um, and just evaluating themselves for a second. I mean, it's going to take not v- very long. I think if you sit down and just think, hmm, okay, what kind of person am I generally? What could that mean for me in terms of my dieting going forward, what the best approach might be. And if you answer those three questions and then create your diet plan accordingly, you should be off to a pretty good start. And you that doesn't mean you can't make adjustments along the way, but um yeah, that's what I would what I would suggest. You know, there's there's something and, and I think maybe we're all this way with what I'm about to say. Sometimes you go through a dieting phase and you do good and then your weight starts to creep up. You were talking about how, you know, you were in the off season. I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or before the show started, but you're, you're, you're gaining and you're going through a gaining phase. I went through this rapid fat loss phase. I started to slowly creep back up there. Things are starting to get, you know, it didn't take, it doesn't take much for me. Um, My weight started to get a little bit high and sometimes people get into that Point and they're just they just are sick of feeling just fat for another for a you know that's just the way it is you feel fat bloated unhappy miserable uncomfortable that's the word mm-hmm. 
And a lot of times people will go back to just pulling the trigger and they'll go into a really hard dieting phase. I can tell our listeners what I tell my clients when that happens. If you're getting too heavy, it's likely not your daily calories that are that are the problem. It's eating off plan. So what I tell people is, here's here's what you need to do. Sure, throw in 10 minutes of cardio this week if it helps you feel good to get things moving, but nail your nutrition 100% and let's see how much weight comes off of you just this week from cleaning the diet up. Because if you're motivated enough to diet really hard because you're like, John, I'm miserable, I'm ready to, let's, let's diet, let's, let's do the rapid fat loss again. Clean your diet. If you're motivated, just clean your diet up. Do a little bit of cardio, get things moving for the week. And let's see if you drop from 220 to 218 and you start to feel better, 217. But a lot of the times it's just cleaning up your tracking that's going to do it. And sometimes we have to get out of our own way because we look at all these other reasons that shit's going wrong. And it's because we're just not tracking as closely as we need to. And we all need that break. Like we all need that. Like we need to be able to intuitively eat and go out to eat, like you said, with a partner or husband or whatever. Um, But that's what I tell people to start. And that it's never the daily calories that are the problem. Like it's not, unless some coach has you eating, like if you're a female eating like 3,500 calories or some crazy, right. Or like 3,000 is still really high for a female. Yeah, if you're eating that every day, you're probably going to gain weight too fast. But most people, you know, a female eating 1,900 calories a day, you're not gaining two pounds a week on that. You're just not. Um, There are situations. There are situations, but, you know, that's a whole other podcast. If somebody was yo-yo dieting and they're doing Weight Watchers and they were on 1,100 calories for like five months and all of a sudden you go to 1,900, probably going to gain a little bit in the beginning, but we're not we're not talking about that. I like that reminder with the cleaning up the tracking, but also cleaning up the quality. I think there are some people need to be a bit more honest with themselves or like if on the, especially on the weekends, um, you consume a lot of alcohol or a lot of processed foods, even if they fed your macros, just by cleaning that up and eating more whole foods, um, overall you're, you're going to feel better just from the higher fiber, higher nutrient content. You're going to feel more satiated. So I think cleaning up in all aspects, that's a really good point. Yeah. You know, there's, there's something to say about checking the box every day, meal prepping, like doing all those things and getting back into a daily routine. If you're somebody that's out there listening and you're just, you're miserable and you're struggling meal prep, make your food, plan it out for the day, have your lunchbox with you, take it to work. Um, I've got this notebook right here with me. Like I, I have a to-do list that runs, I have multiple businesses, right? And multiple podcasts. This to-do list is everything for me. Approach your nutrition the same way. Mm-hmm. Check those off. You know, I know people saying win the day, it's like super cliche at this point, but it's true. Like check your stuff off, get your workout done, drink your water, take your supplements. Like do all those things. Um, And it will help you build momentum and it just starts to become a daily habit. We're all going to have days where we mess up, keep going and just be consistent. So that's kind of my final thoughts on the whole thing. 100%. I can only underline consistency and nailing the basics and that's it. Yeah. I do want to tell our our listeners, they can find any information they want on you, on Lisa. It's going to be in the show notes. You can check out her show. You can see her contact information. Please, please, please leave us a review. We are trying to grow this podcast. I know it's early. It's just not a podcast we've had out for a long time. I think this is episode 13 going off the top of my head. 
And we really could use the reviews and share those on social and tag us if you would, if you found value here. If you don't like the show, leave us a review and tell us, but we would really like it if you left a nice review because we're doing a good job here. I'm just kidding. Uh, just be honest with your reviews. We appreciate you. And Lisa, this was fun. I, I, I can't wait till our episode comes out on your show and I'd love to have you back to uh, guest host. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yep. For myself and Lisa, we're out of here. See you guys.